Welcome to Chinuch 2.0, a show about the massive changes happening to how we do Chinuch, some of which may never be the same again. show is very special to me. Since the start of the coronavirus outbreak, when we started this show, I've been waiting to do this interview with Rabbi Yitzi Ross, who gives a voluntary share on Zoom every weekday to literally thousands of kids. Rabbi Ross is an amazing individual, but he comes across as a regular down-to-earth guy. He's funny, He's friendly, very handy, and he channels his energy to doing amazing things for Klai Yisrael and Jewish kids. As soon as the closure of yeshiva started at the onset of, of the virus, he started an optional shear for his class on Zoom, and it quickly spread to eventually reach 5,000 kids. He had to max out a few Zoom accounts to be able to handle all the participants. Besides the countless hours of Limar HaToyro, which he's enabling, there are a few other aspects as well. You see, our show is about the changes that are happening to Chinuch. And it's in times like these, which are challenging, but also full of opportunity, when real change can take hold. There's nothing new about video conferencing. Skype has been around since the early 2000s, yet I don't think video has ever been used before on such a mass scale to teach so many children at once. When I was young, Rabbi Eli Teitelbaum, Allah Shalom, started the Torah Communications Network, which at the time was a revolutionary concept that you could dial a phone number and get a recording of a shear. It was a very, very crude system, and you had to subscribe pay a monthly fee and a registration fee, and you could only dial in, you could only hear that day's shear. Every day it switched to another shear. And you had to dial in on the hour. (laughs) So if you had dialed in at 2.05, you missed the first five minutes, you had to wait till the next hour. I remember how excited I was when my grandparents bought me a present, they bought me a subscription to that service, and I was able to learn Mishnayis on the phone. I got to listen to Rabbi Nossin Sherman of Art Scroll. He taught Mishnayis in those early days, and I went through many masechtas on the phone. Today, there are literally tens of thousands of shiurim for free available on Torah anytime, kol How many kids take advantage of, of these resources? Not many, I don't think. Why not? Probably because it's not on a screen, and it's not relatable to them. So along comes the coronavirus, and shuts down yeshivas, and shuts down playdates, and just about everything else. And an enterprising fourth-grade Rebbe jumps at the opportunity and offers a free, voluntary Mishnayis class on Zoom for just a few kids, and it spreads like wildfire. There are so many lessons that we can learn from Rabbi Ross's story. Of course, there's the schos of Limar HaTayra, the opportunity to teach thousands of kids who would be doing nothing during this time, is tremendous. 
he's also utilizing technology for good. The opportunity that Hashem has given us to be able to reach so many children and use the technology for good. He's also an example of a Rebbe that truly loves what he's doing. He couldn't stand the fact that his Talmidim should miss even one day of school. He was afraid of having a snow day, one or two days a year, that the kids wouldn't be able to get to yeshiva, so he set up the system in advance so that if they, if they weren't able to come, they could log on to Zoom and learn and not miss a day. Here's a Rebbe who couldn't stand the fact that his Talmidim should miss just one day. There's another thing. What Rabbi Ross is doing can be replicated in so many ways and by so many others. Let's say a Talmud has to miss yeshiva for a few days. He's still able to join his class. Let's say a family has to move away temporarily. The Talmud could still be a part of things. If a Rebbe wants to stay in touch with his Talmudim during the summer months, for example, Friday afternoon before Shabbos, it would be such a nice thing if a Rebbe makes a Zoom call with his Talmudim and he wishes them a good Shabbos. There's so many ways that this can be replicated and put to good use. But here's what really excites me. If Rabbi Ross is able to touch the hearts and minds of hundreds or even thousands of kids and teach them at minimal cost, I think it costs per student less than a dollar a week, and he's giving out a lot of fabulous prizes. So maybe, just maybe, we can envision a future where every boy can be taught by the best Rebbe in the world for him, and every girl can be taught by the best teacher in the world for her, regardless of where they live or how much money their family has. Of course, nothing's ever going to take away a real live classroom. But as Rabbi Ross is showing, a charismatic Rebbe on Zoom, especially one who's armed with hundreds of dollars of Amazon gift cards, can give classrooms a real run for their money. Change is happening, and we may as well embrace it and harness it for good, as Rabbi Ross is doing, instead of foolishly trying to fight it. You can find out more about Rabbi Ross's shear, which is open for all elementary school boys at studyingnavi.com. If you're in a position to help sponsor his prizes, he gives out thousands of dollars of prizes each week, you can do so on his website. And if that wasn't enough, he also runs an organization that helps children in discreet and unique ways. He's going to share with us a little bit about it on the interview. You can find the link to donate to that as well in the show notes of this episode. I think you can tell I'm super excited about this episode. So let's go straight to the interview. I can't believe I'm actually speaking with Rabbi Yitzi Ross. He's a fourth grade rabbi in Yeshiva South Shore. And as we're going to find out, he's a very interesting person to say the least. Shalom Aleichem, Rabbi Yitzi. Shalom Aleichem. I think my wife would agree with you with that assessment. Interesting. <laughs> it's a good word. Yeah, I'm so excited to be speaking with you, not just because my son Shlevi is a very active participant in Yeshir, but because of the tremendous impact you've had on hundreds of Yiddish homes during a very challenging time. So can you share with us your story? How did this all begin? We know you're not bored. You don't have a lot of free time. Can I know you have a large mishpacha? You're a Rebbe. You run a music band with your family. So tell us, why and how did you start this? So the credit goes years back when they used to have a lot of snow days before uh, in the yeshivas. Way back in the East, something called the snow day when it actually snowed. There was no yeshiva. So I didn't like missing learning, so I began using different ways of communicating with my class. We tried out using Skype, TeamViewer, 
And about two years ago, we started using Zoom. So in the beginning of every school year, I tell all the boys, let's learn how to use Zoom now. So if we need to use it, it's ready to go. So approximately, whatever, three and a half, four months, whatever it was, I don't even remember anymore. The yeshiva sent us an email Friday morning saying we cannot have yeshiva today because of this virus. So I sent a message to the parents and 21 out of the 22 boys in my class Zoomed with me that day. They davened and they learned with me for two hours afterwards. So I, I, it was great. So we did it again Sunday morning. And you have to realize many of the rabbim have forget knowing how to use Zoom, don't know how to use a computer. So it was tricky. So I was giving this year. So some boys said, can my kids, can my siblings join in? Can my cousins? And at the end of the first week, I had 700 kids. And by the end of the second week, I think it was 2,200 kids. And by the third week, I was passed to 5,000. And Zoom limited us to 1,000 per kid. So which initially, I was working with the young Israel. They had 1,000. But I eventually just bought three separate licenses. And I'm using three Zooms and multiple colons from different people that have the other numbers. Mm-hmm. And here we are now, Baruch Hashem, still learning strong. Wow. Excellent. Okay, so I, I know it's, uh, people often forget to say thank you, and to anyone who's listening whose son is part of the share, please take, take a moment now to thank Rabbi Ross for what he's doing. But has anyone shared with you how the share is making a difference in their child's life? Baruch Hashem, it's amazing. I, I get lots of thank yous. The, the hardest part, actually, of running the share is not this year. It's the five to 700 emails I get every day, and I try to reply to every kid because when, when a boy sends you an email, He's waiting for the response. As soon as he hits send, he's looking at the screen, waiting for that reply. <laughs> so I, I'm up till three in the morning replying to random questions, either Sanavi, personal questions, and it's that's part of the fun. So I do get some interesting, you know, I've gotten, my wife also watched we've gotten some interesting um, messages. I, the ones that I love are the ones that the boys are not successful, or actually say sometimes even the girls are not successful in learning, and Baruch Hashem, they're, they're enjoying this class the way it's set up. And they're learning with me. And the parents are thrilled and I'm thrilled to be given the opportunity to help children succeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're, you're a Rebbe both to, to students, tell me them in person as a Rebbe in the yeshiva. And now you're doing the Zoom share. So besides the difference between the sheer number of, of Talmudim that you're teaching at one time, how different do you find teaching over Zoom versus teaching in the classroom? That's a great question. Many people have been asking that question. So the big joke, you know, they, in, the, in the Jewish views, the local newspapers, they asked a bunch of us, what are you going to miss most about Zoom? And I said, being able to mute people. <laughs> but but Lemaisa, I, I wanted the rebame that I do not mute the kids during class in fourth grade. And when they want to ask a question, they unmute themselves. And so for me, I miss being in the classroom. I miss being able to walk over to a kid, slap him five, give him a fist bump, give him a uh, social distance hug. You know, I, I, I teach the kids a hug from the Rebbe, should be like this even before this whole thing. And I miss that physical interaction because it's so important that the kids should see the Rebbe in person. So, you know, the first week already, I was going to each of my Talmudim's house, to every boy, and just visiting them just for a few minutes, they should see the Rebbe in person. So Zoom, is, it's fun, and it's fun to have Shirem on Zoom, but you can't take away from, from being in person. I mean, the proof of this is Moshe and Yisro. You look at this, Yisro came, and, and Moshe was all gung-ho to see him, everyone came out, and Yisro had a great idea up judges, this and that. And when Yisrael left, you'll notice it was it was a cool leaving, no big part, just he left. What happened? Moshe knew Yisrael was right. And, and in theory, it was perfect to have all these judges, everything set up. But realistically, the Yin weren't talking to Moshe. And Kachava, shortly after, it was a Chet Ego game. It's no coincidence. You need to be with the Rebbe. You need to be in person. So the Zoom is great. I love the whole concept. But I, I miss that that element of being in the classroom with the Kinderoff. Mm-hmm. It's something that, 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 that's communicated not with words. It's just right. communicated just by the closeness of being in person. 
Yes. And, and the boys that really appreciate the Zoom more than being in person, let them bring an iPad to the classroom and, and look at the iPad. You know, I'm, I'm sure that would work for some people. But for me, you know, and I'll do the Zoom share. I think it's continuing on many more years. But I, I, I miss the classroom. I cannot wait to get back into the classroom with the Vinitora. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so uh, interesting. You you plan on continuing this year through the summer, which is uh, and and beyond, hopefully, which is amazing. Uh, when, so I remember when I was a young child many years ago, uh, the Torah Communications Network, which was started by Rabbi Eli Teitelbaum, of Shalom. So it re- revolutionized my learning because when I was in fifth grade and I had I had some extra time, my grandparents brought me a, a subscription to Mishnayos on the phone, and I was uh, I, I listened to Rabbi Nosson Sherman from Art School. He was teaching Mishnayos back then. Every night I used to call in. We went through, I went through uh, many masachtas uh, with, with that service. So do you see uh, your shir and shir, other shirim like that revolutionizing the way kids spend their free time and, and actually are able to learn? So I, I don't know if this could revolutionize it. I think that there are many types of kinderach that this is really hitting it perfectly in the niche because, you know, we're, we're in a different society that the shirim that you spoke about on the phone, I remember those, I remember hearing the story a day on the telephone and I picked up a rotary phone, you know, I dialed GR5 like that. And I got these, these stories on the phone. I still remember the stories from, you know, I, I'm 1982 and I'll be calling up and listening to them as a six, seven-year-old kid. So it definitely made an impact. But because kids have become desensitized and they, they require a screen to interact, so where everything's on the screen, the cell phones have a screen, the iPads, everything is on the screen. So I think the shirim is on the screen. It's easier for them in a way because they're so used to it. So going back to a phone makes it difficult, which is, you know, like the rabbin would tell me they're still working with yeshivas and phone learning. The kids can't wait to a Zoom class because they can see it again, visualize it a lot better. So I, I think that this can revolutionize. I'm sure many shirim will stay online. There's some amazing shirim going on at night. There's a, another mechanich uh, who's been learning with older kids at night. And, you know, I spoke with him. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I want to talk a minute about the prizes. Uh, you, you, every week you send a newsletter and you talk about um, the prizes and can, you know, it costs a lot of money, obviously. So you're giving out a lot of Amazon cards each week. So do you really feel that we need such expensive prizes to motivate the boys? What, what, what do you feel about it? Could it be done cheaper? Could it be done without prizes? So in the beginning, I was giving out a lot of prizes, hundreds and fifties. But over the past few weeks, it's been shifting down a lot of $25. So the reason is when this year started, the kids were all over the place. They needed like to get you know their brain settled over there. The Yeshiva Das was learning and knowing there's a, there's a chance of winning a huge prize. But Baruch Hashem, things settled down. And now the kids are learning because they want to learn Torah, which is beautiful. But it's not so much the prize. It's the getting of the prize that's important. You know, Rabbi Shachon, who, who's a mechanic par excellence in the Yeshiva, is a fifth grade Rebbe, and he, he's been in Chinuch for a very long time. So he, he told me one time, he said, it's, you can give out a piece of gum, you can give out a remote control car. It's how you give it over. And, and I, I, I don't remember the exact prizes he spoke about. Rabbi Herzberg also used to tell me, give it to them, make it exciting. So when, when the boy wins a prize, uh, you have to see their faces. It was one night I read off the list of winners, and I saw one of the boys, I'm not going to say his name, but I know who it was. And he, he was so excited, he jumped off his chair, fell over backwards, and he ran to go tell his mother. So there is something there as well. So if I would stop the prizes, I'm pretty confident I wouldn't lose the kids. But at the same time, I'm not trying to not lose them. I'm trying to gain them. So it's more of a positive thing. And I think that the prizes are a necessity. Certainly, I'm cutting them back. You know, I'm giving, uh, instead of 
tons of hundreds and fifties and giving a lot more $25. But you know what? $25 is a good Indian. Right. Okay. And, and uh, what about this, the finding sponsors for the prizes? Is that, is that getting challenging as, you, so, as this year has been slipping, you know, been you know, on, it's going it's on for a while? Because when, when I started, so I sent out an email to like 6,000 people saying, can you please help sponsor monthly? If everyone gave $18 a month, I'd, I'd be, you know, I'd be having $70,000 a month to play with, not mm-hmm. for my foundation. And I, I got only, I think it was 16 people. And then eventually went down to 12 because a few of them made a mistake that it was one time. So I called up one mother. I said, you know, I know you could afford it. Why not help out? And she said to me, because there's probably 6,999 other people giving. You don't need my help. <laughs> and that was my mistake is instead of putting the numbers and saying how much I've gotten, but at the same time, some people want to donate anonymously. So I said, listen, you know, there are many people that, that can and they help. And there are some that can't. And if, even if no one sponsors, I'll still continue doing this year and I'll raise the money myself and I'll give out this prize to the kids. And the weeks I didn't get sponsored, I paid myself. Money is overrated. Right. Okay. <laughs> yes. Very good. Well said. Okay. So now you're teaching Navi to the boys. You're teaching Sefer Shaiftim. Now, uh, teaching Navi always comes with its challenges. There are parts of the stories of Navi which are hard to explain. But first of all, there's some sensitive topics. There's Pilagish Begiva. There's the story of Shimshan. And you also have a lot of bad characters in the Navi, which are sometimes the hero. Uh, like you just, uh, you, you're just teaching them the story of Yiftach, who ended up killing his daughter. So how do, you, how do you go teach Navi in a way that kids could get the truth of the story, but also not be blown apart by what, what they're hearing? I told the boys a while back a story that there was a Balas Tshuva that came to Shua. She was a year she came to Shua for the first time in the Shabbos. And they were leaning and they came up to the part of Yosef being thrown in the pit. And this lady began to cry and she was a wreck. How could they do this for kind of brothers? And the women in the shul were in a spoil that she took a toe to heart. A year went by and she's still in shul the next year and comes laying and she's sitting there stoically. So her friend said, doesn't this bother you? She says, this guy's a fool. Last year he started up with his brother in the pit. And this year again he chapters his brothers. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's a common misconception that, that it's, it's a story. It's not a story. So I don't have to give every aspect of it. It's life lessons. Initially, I wanted to do Mishnayas and try to learn Shishu Sajir Mishnah. But after about six weeks, I got a call from a few Rechanchem and Alam asking me to please stop giving this year of Mishnayas because there were many parents that were telling the yeshivas, listen, I'm paying you tuition and my son's learning more with this Ross guy, so I'll stop paying tuition. Let him go there. <laughs> and, and so I, I spoke to my, my Rosh Hashiva, Rabbi Mordechai Kamenetsky, and my Rabbi, Rabbi Chatsunov, and they both told me, that's not my problem. <laughs> Let them get better at Bayim. And I was inclined to listen, but I remembered Rabbi Hertzberg, because Echel once told me, don't ever be the cause of someone losing Parnassah. Yeah. And it scared me. I can't have that on my head. So I, I switched to Navi. Now, as you so eloquently pointed out, there are challenges in some of the topics, but I, I'm very straightforward. I, I don't skip, for example, when we're discussing an Ishazona. So there's different ways of learning about that. So the way we, we can discuss it is that she was doing inappropriate things by talking too much. And we can look at other spots like we did last night in Tanakh, like by Dina or Shalomit by, you know, um, Aviram's sister that doesn't marry. And it's a great way for the kids to learn that, for example, Sineas is not how you dress. It's a way of life. And it's a great thing for us. So if we learn a lesson, instead of focusing on the actual, you know, physical things, the kids don't mind and they're gained. So you're right. The whole story with when, uh, he went ahead and, and he's killing his daughter. So we discussed, some of our Shem said yes, but what really happened is he made the mistake of not asking a rub. And he was too stubborn to go. And Pinchas didn't want to go to him. And so we're gaining something from this experience. Instead of harping on the death, we're harping on what can be done to improve ourselves. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, well said. So in this year, you obviously have a very wide range of ages, from young, young boys to older boys. Do you feel that, that you're hitting a certain age specifically, or you're, you have something for everyone, for boys of all ages? So at, at the time, as, as we speak, I so far had 3,012 responses to my survey I sent out asking parents, you know, regarding the summer, what should happen. So the bulk of the kids are between fifth and sixth grade. That's, I think, 51% or 41%. Then there's the next bulk is th- third and fourth grade. Then it's tied between seventh and eighth and first and second. And there's a few preschool kids. I also have a lot of girls in this year. I have over 200. Oh. So the, the, the request I had for the girls is if they're in third grade or up, they should try to minimize the screen or just, you know, because I, I have to make sure we keep it somewhat appropriate. Um, I, I'm not looking to hit a particular topic. You know, each one can gain what you want to gain from. You know, I remember uh, um, my Zadie, who is a, uh, is a, is a very hush of a person. He didn't learn super much. But he'd go to the shirim and he didn't understand everything, but it went into him. That was my, my father's father. And he was, he was a special person. He, he, his knees wouldn't work. He'd somehow get to this year and he'd listen. So I have little kids that all they take away from all the learning is they hear a story. And that's fine. A story from Tanakh. I have the seventh and eighth graders who are discussing with me the issues, whether they're all bag or agree with Rashi or not. And each kid's gaining what's on their level. So I'm trying to talk to all the kids. I try to call on different age groups randomly to make sure that all the kids are involved in their level. And I, you know, there are plenty of emails I get that Baruch Hashem show the kids are getting it on the right levels. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. So can you share with our listeners a little bit about the, the organization that you have to help, to help boys, so that, to tell us what, you, what, what it does and uh, how, how people can help? That's a question. The MJYA Foundation, it's, it, you're not going to figure out what MJYA stands for because it's the uh, initials of the first person, a uh, person who helped me start the foundation by donating a large amount of money to get started. He didn't want to be known, so we took his initials and jumbled them up in there. Um, the organization is an odd one. It's, it's geared just to help kids shine. I have some board members with me and, you know, it's very private, but we just help kids. So there are many instances that pe- families are in need. And if you come to a, a tzedakah and say you have a family who's starving, another kid who needs yeshiva schooling, and there's a boy in uh, 10th grade that's not happy. Okay, he'll be happy later. I go to that kid and I say, what would make you happy? He goes, I, I don't know. My parents can't afford anything, so I do nothing all day. So I get the kid guitar lessons. So now three years later, and this boy is now making money giving guitar lessons to other kids. So that was my goal. I send kids to camp sometimes if we can manage because that gets expensive. I do whatever I can to give children the ability to succeed in life. Sometimes it's easy as buying them a new set of uh, SpongeBob SquarePants pajamas. Other times, you know, the kid needs a lot more than that. I'll, I'll pay for kids to get therapy. But, you know, the goal is that every kid should have the ability to succeed. And, uh, it's something that I take very close to home. And I have a lot of people that help out with it. Okay, so before we go, we have to ask you about the Rock Mishpacha band. So did you start up again? Have you been doing any so live I, events? I believe this, this coming week we're doing a, a very live practice in my yard. I don't know when. I'm, I'm scared to share it. A lot of the boys in the year have been asking me to put on the website. So I think tonight, in about 20 minutes actually, I was today, the, the 23rd, we're putting on the website. We were at a concert once playing, and we did Benny Fubin's Shalom so we put an unedited version on the website, on, on YouTube, where you can click at the website because people have been asking us. But we are working on some really cool new contests. We had a little over a year ago an intro contest, 25 introductions, that if you uh, got the right names and you won, you'd get $100 each. So someone in Florida won, I think he got $1,900 from us. So we're having a set coming out in about a month. It's called the Song Contest. 
20 songs, some new, some old, and for each song you get right, you get $100. But it, Lamaisa, we, I had a great practice with the boys last night. It's just a lot of fun uh, when you have Kedahara, a bunch of kindlach playing music with you. You know, the world's open before. You can do a lot of stuff making some simcha out there. Yes, okay. Very good. This is, this is fascinating, hearing your, hearing your story and hearing how you're sharing Torah to thousands of children and uh, you're continuing to do so. So, Atzlacher Abba should continue to be Marbet's Torah and other people should learn from you. I mean, thank you so much for having me on with you and you should have continued nachas from all of your listeners and your kindalach. Amen. You've been listening to Chinuch 2.0, a show exploring the changes happening to how we do Chinuch. Chinuch 2.0 is hosted and produced by me, Aaron Parnas. Special thanks to David Lichtenstein of Headlines, who inspires the show. You can subscribe to the show on Apple or Google Podcasts or on our website, chinuchshow.com. For suggestions, comments, or guest ideas, please visit chinuchshow.com. Thanks for listening.